from indies to foreign films, from the underseen to the underrated, this is Not Your Average Movie Podcast. Not Your Average Movie Podcast. Movie Podcast. And I'm your host, Tom Stift, and with me as always, Adam Benedictus. And in case you're new to the show, what do we do here? We talk about underseen, underrated films from foreign films to just underseen indie darlings. 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 And quite often uh, some anime movies that don't get so much love stateside. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about a definitely underseen movie. I wouldn't call it an underrated movie by any. If you terms. have not seen this movie yet, you are missing out. Mm, we'll talk about that more <laughs> later. I will not sully my good name on that. <laughs> Tom recommends. Tom sorely, sorely does not recommend. Just married. <laughs> Just married with Ashton Kutcher and Brittany Murphy. 2003. Sarah lived a life of wealth. Tom just lived life. Oh my! But true love didn't hit them. Until they found each other. Are you okay? Yeah. You had nothing on it. I want to marry you. No. Welcome to the family, Tom. Thank you. Mrs. McNerney. Oh, you can call me Pussy now. Pussy? You know, like a cat. Tom and Sarah are two lovebirds from different worlds. He's an average guy with a fondness for beer who works a low-level job, while she's an aspiring writer from a wealthy, cultured family. The disapproval of family and friends doesn't prevent the pair from marrying. But their disastrous honeymoon in Italy and an unwelcome appearance by Sarah's ex-boyfriend, Peter, nearly succeeds in tearing them apart. Tearing them apart. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> I love that. That's part of the description. He's a man with a low-level job and a fondness for beer. <laughs> just a good old Hank Hill. Points is the fact that she's from a wealthy and cultured family. With these rom-coms, there's always... Like a class difference. Good old 2003 rom-com starring Ashton Kutcher. Back in his punked days. Ashton was at his peak. This was him at his peak, which, no offense, says something about the acting chops of Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> but I will leave that alone. At his personal peak. He's doing very well. People are like, Ashton, go make a movie in Italy. You deserve it. Doesn't matter if it's good. Jesus, this movie made $101 million. Wow, that's like the whole budget of like Inception. Uh, this movie funded Inception. Besides the point, okay, so this movie just married. As you can probably guess, this is very much a typical mid-2000s rom-com, which I had never heard of, but we ended up watching this with your fiance, Molly. Yeah, I don't think a spoiler section is even necessary for this movie. We yeah. can just talk about it. We, we can just go right into it. So for now, everyone, we're uh, sansing the spoiler section because this whole episode is going to be a spoiler section. Spoiler section. This, the whole like concept of this movie is a spoiler. It's a rom-com. They love each other at the end. 
It's the early 2000s. Ashton Kutcher is in it with a random blonde white lady. Yeah, no, to be honest, I was just like, all right. What, was it Reese Witherspoon or Renee Zellweger? Or, Reese Witherspoon I, was in a lot of them back then. Exactly. So which is it's why a I was solid just like, guess. I was honestly like, which one? Like, I knew Ashton Kutcher because he's in 90% of them if Matthew McConaughey wasn't in them. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it was usually either Reese Witherspoon or Renee Zellweger for like half of these. And so I was entirely wrong. It's Brittany Murphy, who I don't think I know from too many other things, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in, uh, was she in Clueless? She, she's famous for like one classic movie from the 90s. Yeah, she was in Clueless. Okay, that makes sense. But she's the main character in Clueless? Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And she was in 8 Mile, too. Okay, so yeah, I have seen her in a few things here and there. This movie shouldn't have been one of them, but yeah, so just putting my cards on the table in case you couldn't tell, I did not uh, particularly love this movie at all. And I think the main reason we're doing it is because Molly really wanted, we had already watched this movie, Molly really wanted us to, you know, talk about this movie. And I was like, you know what, at least for my sake, I wanted to do at least one episode where it's a movie that I don't immediately love or even just think is okay. I'm like, but one that grows on you over time become your favorite no no <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always say that i'm like i feel like i've grown to dislike this movie more as i've thought about yeah. it you've you've had to think about it in depth in ways that nobody who's ever seen this movie before has yep and i have marinated in this and i've thought about it long and hard and i still hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> sorry molly sorry to burst your bubble on this one but and this movie wasn't made for me in the first place. Like, it's an early 2000s rom-com. I was a middle school boy when, or no, I was an elementary school boy when this came out. No part of this movie should have appealed to me back then. And none of it appeals to me now. And keeping in mind that I do like a fair few rom-coms. Heck, I liked Clueless. Mm-hmm. Which, Brandy Murphy was apparently the main star. I like plenty romantic comedies such as like The Big Sick or Always Be My Maybe. Even Cr- Crazy Rich Asians is an amazing film. About time. About time. About t- I mean, I wouldn't count that as even a comedy. I think that's just a straight romance. Yeah. Well, it has its funny moments, but it's like British and dry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But Just Married is just the most typical of these rom-coms where... I think part of the reason I don't like it is just because I don't believe in either the romance or the comedy. I think I laughed twice. Yeah, I had like a good little giggle twice. I think as like a worldly man, I I enjoyed the scenery of uh, the French Alps and Venice. I think they like captured Venice like in a way that brought me back to it. And I appreciated that. But the actual like movie events and characters, eh. I was gonna say like be be the contrarian to me, Adam. I'm gonna be railing against this film this whole time. So I'm sure, people don't want to just hear me rant and rave for the entire time. So you say whatever good things you want to say. I well, I I don't know why I do this podcast because as you know, I have no standards. <laughs> <laughs> So I enjoy this movie for what it is. I mean, it's an early 2000s rom-com. Uh, I grew up with older sisters, so they were like in the, the target demographic when this came out. I, I wouldn't say it like hits a nostalgic chord, but there's 
still like a part of me that kind of identifies with these types of movies in a way. On a night where Molly and I can't pick a movie uh, and she just ends up going with like a Reese Witherspoon movie, I still have a good time because I remember that being on in the background when I was like playing Bop It or uh, something with my brother. I don't know. I, I, I like this movie. Also, Ashton Kutcher doesn't completely suck. I mean, but the butterfly effect was my favorite movie for like the longest time. Really? Yeah. Which, I mean, a man without standards, but like. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm going to try my best. I'm like, I'm not going to judge. Literally, people like what they like. And yeah. it's not that you have no standards. I almost kind of wish that I could unabashedly like films like this. <laughs> <laughs> again i don't feel like i can connect to on that same level you do because i had a younger sister which i just watched the silly rom-com movies that she watched even the good like mean girls and just kind of went uh i'm a teenage boy why would i like any of this shit this is stupid lovey-dovey and then i would watch transformers which is equally as shitty it's just yeah. meant just geared towards middle school guys yeah just slow-mo shots of megan fox and explosions i'm just like <laughs> that robot has balls <laughs> did the robots actually have balls in transformers truck nuts they have one joke where my mom literally swears to this day because she took us to see that damn movie and i thank her for it because yeah that movie's tough to watch now there's mm. a literal giant monster with actual like it has cannonballs and it's literally just two swinging cannonballs as like ball sacks nice <laughs> i'm just like Watching it now, I'm like, how? Why did I like this? <laughs> I mean, why would a 13 year old boy not like that? Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> and it's the same way I feel about this movie. I'm like, maybe I'd like this if I was a teenage girl back in the day, but I could not care less about this movie. And I think, again, it fails on the romantic aspect and it fails on the comedy because I hate both these characters. I hate them. Mm particularly Ashen Kutcher's character. The female character, maybe I can buy, but she's that typical, oh, I'm blonde and clumsy. Woo! Yeah, and Ashton's just like the typical dumb husband who only cares about sports. Like he's in Venice and he sees a Eagles game or something at a bar and he'd rather do that than, you know, walk around and enjoy Venice with his wife. Yeah, on their honeymoon, like, He's dumb to an unbelievable degree. Like, I understand that's the point of the movie. It's just like, doesn't matter how dumb he is, as long as we have love. And I'm like, no, this guy is too, too dumb to live. Yeah, I mean, he tried to jam an American cord or an American plug into a European socket and like blew out all the, I mean, unrealistically, like blew out all the electricity in the hotel. He was clearly in the wrong. He should have said sorry. And then he yelled at the hotel guy and got kicked out. Yeah, it's like every turn that he could choose to not be an asshole, he immediately picked to be an asshole. It wasn't that he was dumb. Like, yes, love can transcend someone being dumb. It's the fact that love can't transcend someone being an asshole. If I knew Ashton Kutcher's character in real life, I would freaking like I would not want to be friends with him and I would not understand the woman who would want to love him. But Brittany Murphy's character, she is debatably just as dumb, but she's not an asshole at any point. She 
talks she talks logically like a normal human being so i'll give her that but the fact that she ever puts up with him and doesn't break up with him after maybe the third thing well it's a honeymoon so like you don't break up on a honeymoon no matter how bad it goes Mm, at the moment that he was just like i'm not gonna find us a hotel because i'm cheap and we're gonna go to this slum ghetto area Uh, because i'm too cheap to get an actual hotel but that's an adam de benedictus move i have done that (laughs) i know and i'm like don't do that i know don't do that and she's still with me i know stop doing that (laughs) in the middle of like a downpour at midnight we stayed a best western that was nothing against section eight housing uh recipients but like it was a building designated to section eight and there were people clearly like doing drugs like right down the hall from us and the place smelled like cigarettes and molly was just like scrolling through the reviews as soon as we got in our room and she was like we need to leave and i was like it's totally fine like these people aren't gonna hurt us they're just doing drugs in their rooms it's fine Oh, Adam. But eventually (laughs) we spent like another like 50 bucks or something to have like an actual comfy room that night. And that was the right move. The only reason I give you a pass on that one is it wasn't your freaking honeymoon. Yeah. That's the other thing. He's on his honeymoon and he's being a cheap bitch. And I'm like, dude, like ask for help. You are in another country in a very bad situation. Like, I don't know. I just at the end of the day. There's nothing that he did that I could see a actual, like, logical human being actually doing. Well, her family is, like, very wealthy, but he has this complex about, like, borrowing money that's pretty realistic. A lot of people have that kind of complex where they just want to provide for themselves, especially, like, as a man who, you know, just watches sports. Like, he's just a stereotypical, like, dude. Yeah, there, there's points of having your pride. But then there's the point of we're staying in a murder shack in a country that we've never been to on our honeymoon. I found his character to just be at every turn. He could choose to not be an asshole. He chose to be an asshole. Either that or so dumb to the point of that. I'm like, you're not a human. You should not be able to live as a normal human being. Yeah. And he's still the probably the main protagonist of the movie. I mean, Brittany Murph, it's kind of like 50 50. But I still feel like it's through like a male lens uh, where we're supposed to root for him to get the girl and fix his relationship because he has his own radio show and he's talking about his relationship and how marriage is stupid at the beginning of it. And obviously at the end, as he thinks about his honeymoon and all the things that made him mad about it, he's also thinking about the things that he loves about this person. And they have this moment at the end where they're the director or writer is trying to be cute about it. And they're like, I want all of your flaws. And uh, they were like listing all these cheesy things about each other that suck. I want all of your good things and all of your bad things. Yeah. Oh, let me in. And I'm like, nah, don't let him in. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck him in every single aspect. And also just... In every single hole. In every single hole. The only two times I laughed in the movie, like I said, with the comedy kind of failing for me, it's just that it was just all generic slapstick comedy. Yeah, I think it was just kind of like National Lampoon if it was done poorly. Yeah, if it just wasn't written well. 
I laugh twice, and it's because both times it involves Ashton Kutcher's character getting fucked in some way. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, fuck that guy. And anytime he got destroyed, I laughed. Um, once was when they have their car with all their belongings precariously on a ledge. And again, Ashton Kutcher being a fucking asshole when this car drives by him when he's trying to like give them the thumbs up to give hitchhike them when that car drives by he tosses a rock at it yeah that's not cool hits it which i'm like hits the car and then the car stops is like see it works sometimes and i'm like no you're a dick you tossed a rock at some dude's car and then the car turns around and knocks his shit off the cliff and flicks him off and runs away i'm like I laughed way too hard because I was just like, fuck you. And then the next was when Brittany Murphy picks up this apparently really heavy ashtray, hucks it across the room because they're having the big breakup fight of the movie of like, oh, she found the bra of another woman, but he never had sex with her, even though it was obvious she was going to have sex with him. And I don't know, maybe not let a stranger into strange woman who's clearly drunk into your room. And maybe just as soon as she kisses you, um, actually <laughs> just scream, I'm married, I'm on my honeymoon, get off me. Yeah. Instead of going, <laughs> or just like, just doing the flabberdash and cut your thing. And I know it's the tropes of these kind of movies, but the tropes of these movies actively make me mad because I'm like, I feel like so many women of that generation grew up with this as their idea of romance before they figured out, you know. Yeah, this is what it's supposed to be like. Guys are supposed to be dicks and you're supposed to love them in the end, regardless. I think this is my biggest issue with bad rom-coms from the early 2000s. I feel like they're just very harmful to what actual relationships are. Because no relationship in an early 2000s rom-com movie is anything at all like a real relationship. And I feel like, unlike other romanticized romance movies, where they portray the ups and downs of a relationship, these ones portray that, oh, he has a ton of flaws, but you just deal with them. Yeah. Instead of both sides working through their problems, it's just that the female has to compromise every time. Really, Brittany Murphy's only fault in this movie is another dude shows up her ex or this guy that she slept with once uh, that her dad seems to like more than her actual husband he shows up and that's kind of like her big secret too it's nothing to do with like her own personal flaws or any depth to her character it's a guy that adds depth to her exactly and that's why i'm like i am okay with her character because she seemed like her only real flaw was staying with this ashen kutcher asshole And then even the other guy who's going after her showing up at their fucking honeymoon is just as much of a dick as Ashen Kutcher. And at least he's supposed to be the dick in the movie. But the fact that they play Ashen Kutcher off as, oh, this nice guy that you're supposed to like at the end. Brittany Murphy should have dumped his ass off at the corner the moment he was like so stubborn that like, oh, we're going to sleep in this fucking car on our honeymoon instead of me just sucking up my damn pride. And going to a hotel, it didn't even have to be the big-ass, fancy-ass hotel. Just go to a normal-ass hotel or suck up your pride and just 
when he was fighting with the guy in the fancy hotel who kicked him out, just don't be an asshole and just be like, hey, yo, man, I'm sorry. I I fucked this up. Like, just let us stay. Instead, he was just like, nope, I need to keep my pride and make my honeymoon the worst experience humanly possible. There was just so many times where I was just like, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, I think at certain points, the writer was just trying to further the plot. And the only way to do that is for this guy to fuck up in unbelievable ways. Yeah, dude, sorry. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going on this movie. Any more positives you have to fill out my yelling? <laughs> um, any positives? Because I don't want this episode to get too boring with me just going, fuck this movie and fuck this movie. And um, honestly, I was it's not even the movie that I hated. I feel like Ashton Kutcher's character brought is the only thing that brought this movie from a regular rom-com that I would have been like, whatever, this is fine. Like, I'll take it or leave it to his character being the thing that made me freaking mad. Mm. I honestly, I can't think of any positives if you think about the movie. <laughs> um, but if you turn if you turn your brain off, I think it was an enjoyable experience. If you think if you I'm sorry, but what you just said was if you think for a second, there's nothing good. Yeah. But I'm like, oh. Yeah, usually when I watch these movies, I try and turn my brain off and just enjoy it like a regular viewer rather than a critic because I've never been a movie critic and I don't really want to change the way I see movies for this podcast. I, I, I come into my critiques and my in-depth thinking about the movies after I really understand like just an average person's impression of the movie slash my brainless enjoyment of it. Yeah, and I understand that to a point is that I'm that way with action movies that there are plenty of action movies where I'm like, this is dumb, but if I turn my brain off, I can manage to enjoy enjoy aspects of it or enjoy parts of it, despite how dumb it is. Mm -hmm. um, but with a movie like this that I just, I can't shut my the logical part of my brain off to go like, oh, I'm just going to take this for what it is. Like for me, I was just thinking the whole time, I'm like, no. Anytime I tried to do that, it just immediately, Ashton Kutcher's character would do something to piss me off. Yeah. And I was just like, again, my thought process, my eventual thought process always just becomes, this is what little girls of this gener generation thought love was. And probably got a rude awakening after two boyfriends in high school. Yeah. That they're like, I'll love him despite the fact that he's a dick. And then quickly discovered that's. Yeah, not how that should work yeah well that's been my rant about the movie yeah i think we've kind of covered everything if you want to watch a early 2000s rom-com uh maybe go with something else i was gonna say that the early 2000s was a weird time for movies in I, general. I, there are some good early 2000s rom-coms let me uh i would love to know them because I feel like all the rom-coms I really liked came in the 2010s, weirdly enough. I feel like there was a good swath of them in the 90s, and then there was a good swath of them in the 2010s, but I don't really know any in the 2000s that I'm like, yeah, that was good. I honestly can't think of one rom-com from the 2010s other than like The Big Sick or 
Begin Again. I think that was like 2012 with uh, Mark Ruffalo. I will say one other factoid about this movie, which is proof that even directors of pretty crappy projects can go on to do some pretty awesome things. The director of this movie later on went on to make um, the newer Ryan Reynolds movies like Free Guy and The Atom Project. Oh, nice. And apparently directed some of the Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Adam Project wasn't great, but Free Guy was. Yeah, I really liked Free Guy, and Adam Project was, I think it was the most okay movie I've ever seen. Yeah, okay is a, a good word to describe it. Yeah, there was no part of it I hated, no part of it I loved. And before that, it's, yeah, all these really weird, like, early 2000s, cheesy, almost Disney Channel, like, not dis- actually Disney Channel original, but has, like, the budget of Disney Channel original kind of movies. Okay, Sweet Home Alabama. That was a decent rom-com. I wasn't watching it critically at the time, though. Uh, Just Like Heaven. Those are both Reese Witherspoon movies. The Switch. I remember that being pretty good at the time. That was 2010 with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston. Um, Molly would be the expert on this because she's seen a lot of them. See, you know what movie is kind of like... Well, okay. It's actually nothing like this. But like a stereotypical romantic sort of comedy movie like this that I do enjoy more that was actually directed by the same director is a date night with Steve Carell and uh, Tina Fey. Oh yeah. That I'm like, it wasn't a great movie by any means, but it was just an enjoyable ride with two characters that had their flaws, but weren't unbelievable as human beings. Yeah. I feel like that's the kind of movie I would want out of this kind of movie or even a movie like game night where game night was a good movie. Yeah. Where it's almost follows very stereotypical formulas, but still had great writing to back it up. And this feels like they pooped out the script in a week and just figured out the details later. Yeah. All right. Well, that's my rant. You got anything else you want to cover on this ad? Uh, no, I mean, good french and italian scenery but that's all you're gonna get watch rick steves if you want that i was gonna say this will be the first ever and maybe the last ever not your average movie podcast where i'm gonna definitely say don't watch this movie and adam will probably say watch this movie if you're in the mood for this kind of rom-com yep all right well with that all out of the way i'd say we should move on to our Recommends. Recommends. No spoiler section. Spoiler episode. All right. To the recommends part two, Electric Boogaloo. I'm interested to see what you bring because I think you said you didn't watch anything the last during our last record, which was 30 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this past weekend, it was Father's Day and I hung out with my nephew, Logan. And we watched He-Man, which is like, uh, it's been rebooted in a 3D animation. And it, I think it's well done. Logan seems to enjoy it. Uh, the animation looks pretty good. I mean, it, it, it's all just colors and noise. But uh, I just learned that they remade he- He-Man. And that's pretty cool. Not gonna lie, as a little kid, they had like an early 2000s rem- remake of He-Man. That apparently, I don't remember it all that much, but apparently wasn't that terrible. Hmm. 
but that's what I remember is I feel like in the early 2000s when we were growing up they like rebooted a lot of those 80s franchises yeah like I watched the reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I feel like in the early 2000s every single time they rebooted an A's franchise it was we're doing it the 80s thing but it's dark and serious this time around yep and so then as a little kid I went back and watched the 80s thing I was just like well this is silly not realizing that it was kind of silly to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> the entire thing was silly from the get-go. Yeah, there was that whole trend in like the 2000s and probably like the early 2010s where darkness meant it was smart. But sometimes you just want to have fun with it. And I think this iteration of E-Man is just like having fun with it. Yeah, one, what's his name? Uh, The Clark's guy, uh, Kevin Smith. I think Kevin Smith was the showrunner for that new He-Man show. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I only nice. know about it because I watch YouTube channels with a bunch of 30 to 40-year-old men children who grew up in the 80s with these kind of cartoons. So they talked about their kid childhoods being brought back with this thing, and they're like, yeah, this is still kind of dumb, but, you know. Yeah. Lights and colors and such. Yeah. And it's good for, you know, dumb fun for kids. Yeah. I, I don't know how the original He-Man was, but... Uh, they're all just kind of like lanky, average people who put on suits and then they transform into stronger people, like a, a cat that transforms into a tiger that talks. And then He-Man is just like a dude that kind of looks like me, but with blonde hair. And then he turns into like the action figure dude. I mean, his name is Adam. Yeah. I just remember being a kid and all I knew was a guy grabbed a sword and screamed, I have the... And then went and kicked the shit out of some some bad guys. And I was just like, that's all I need. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Again, going back to probably the male version of an early 2000s rom-com. I was watching this show for the lights and colors and the, you know, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same with Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. All right. And going on my line of I just watch too many TV shows and never have anything to not talk about. I'm going to talk about season three of Barry. Oh, it's so good. The quality has not dropped off in the least bit. It is still just as fantastic as it's always been. And the end of the season, though, is one of those things that I'm like, where are they going to go from here? And if you haven't seen Barry yet, the general premise is that it's almost a reverse Breaking Bad. Instead of it being a good guy who eventually breaks bad, I think of it as almost the reverse, where it's a bad guy who's turning good. Barry's an assassin who eventually catches the acne bug and wants to be an actor out in L.A. And this newest season has kept up the quality. It's probably one of my favorite shows that's running right now. Hey, guys, my recorder died, but I love Barry, especially Soho Hank. Was it Noho? Noho, Noho Hank. Hank. Yeah. First two seasons, top notch. Even if, even if they don't have like a bunch of seasons and it runs for a long time what barry has done so far in the first two seasons that i've seen it is one of my favorite shows at least in recent memory because who doesn't love bill Hader? who doesn't love bill Hader? that's the other thing this is bill Hader's show from top to bottom he directs a lot of the episodes he's produced a lot of the episodes and he's i don't know if he's the showrunner but he's i don't know he's one of the key parts that makes this show fantastic so, yeah, that is a thorough recommend of Barry from both me and Adam. Yeah. And, and the Fonz is in it. And the Fonz. Or as my fiance Allie likes to say, 
Stanley Leonat Sr. <laughs> that, yes, everyone, that is a Holtz reference. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, since Adam's mic is thoroughly dead, I think that's all for Not Your Average Movie podcast this week. So don't watch Just Married. Instead, if you have kids, watch He-Man. And if you don't have kids, watch Barry. Just Buried. Just Buried. I wish I could sing the theme song to Barry right now. The <laughs> saxophone. I don't know how it actually goes. You made me forget how it goes. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Anyways, that's the show, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye now. And bye-bye. I got holes. He got holes. In different area codes. Area codes. Area code holes. Area code holes. All right. So glad I was actually recording that. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect start to not your average movie podcast. Perfect starting too. Yeah. It was Allie there too. Allie wasn't there. It was just oh. me, Molly, you, and Sarah. Oh, yeah. This was the night before we filmed that wedding. Yep. And, and so, we left super duper late because we were so invested in this movie. <laughs> you were so invested in this movie, <laughs> I'd say. Tom, I gotta watch. Tom, we gotta see the ending. <laughs> and I'm like, I can predict this ending yeah. anytime now. Like, literally, I watched the ending tw- two days later, and I was like, yep, I was about right. <laughs> Molly, you're on the podcast. Hang up if you don't want to be on the podcast.